Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal. My name is Jacob Corey. I'm joined and I'm Matt Pavlik. And we're joined here today with two special guests. Um, why don't you introduce yourselves, guys? Hi, my name is Julian Knapp. And I'm Philipp Schoeniger. Now you guys may recognize Philip from uh, the most recent Grand Prix Paris. Uh, he got uh, top four finish with a uh, pretty cool build of Miracles. Um, we'll get to talking to that in a little bit, but uh, I think Matt, why don't you take the floor? Yeah, so Julian finished in the top four playing Miracles, and Julian finished in the top... What, Julian? Well, I'm, I went 6 two, one, so I didn't day two. That's okay. like top 180, I don't know. Still pretty good for a tournament with, what, almost 1,600 people? Yeah. Not too bad. So I guess today we're going to have Philip talk about his experience at the tournament. Um, Julian's going to talk about his experience, and then we'll kind of just go from there. So, Philip, do you want to start us off? Okay, sure. So I played Miracles at the Grand Prix, and I've been playing this deck for about two years now, something like ever since Terminus was legal. And I've been playing every variant there is, like Rest in Peace, Heaven Combo, or Top Dog Combo, or the most recent, and I prefer Snapcaster Flash, uh, Flash Miracles. So, well, um, for pre uh, preparing for the Grand Prix, I tested a lot of matchups. And, like, the two best decks for the Grand Prix were, like, Patriot and Team America, so Blue, Red, Red, or Black, Blue, and Green Delver. And those matchups felt so incredibly easy. You just, you just weren't sure how you were even losing them. Like pre-board, your deck is very, very well equipped to deal with any of the tempo strategies nowadays, because uh, Nimble Mongoose and Canadian Treasure isn't the top deck anymore. So Swords, Snapcaster Swords, followed by Terminus on their um, True Name Nemesis is probably the best way you can deal with any of those strategies, which leads to a very easy um, way to the mid or late game where you completely dominate your opponents. So like this deck felt very, very well prepared. So what made it feel so well prepared? Just the fact that you have like Terminus, Swords, and then you also have Counterbalance Lock for the mid to late game? Yeah, cor correctly. Um, it's, it's like the Temple decks felt way too easy because they didn't have Shroud. Uh, the combo decks mostly folded to Counterbalance, at least two of them, so Storm and the and Elves combo. While Show and Tell is a little bit of a 50-50 matchup, you don't really want to play it that much because they can just nuts you away, especially game one where you have so many dead cards. But like the ability to, to, to destroy tempo decks and hold out a fair game against mid-range and control while having good and not so good matchups against various combo decks made this deck a very, very good choice for the Grand Prix. I even managed to go 9-0 on day one without any bias, because none of these decks are played against High Tide, Murfolk, Chant, Elves, Rockdelva, Death and Texas, Esperblade, Patriot and Reanimator. None of those really posed any threat to my deck, like, like none at all. <laughs> the only times I lost was like where I kept a five lander with Brainstorm on top and didn't find anything besides more lands. That's too bad. So, how is your build of Miracles different from the kind of traditional build? Um, first of all, I'm running two Ponder alongside Brainstorm and Top, um, which makes about for 10 cantrips. Most other decks play like four Brainstorm, four Tops, and maybe one Ponder, besides Rafael Levis, 
build before Panda, but nobody's running this one. Um, I'm playing two and three the angels as of now. Most of us have been going up to three, so did I, but I was um, convinced that a second Panda is probably better than another win condition because it lets you smooth out all those draws, all those clunky hands where you have so many bad late game cards and having a Panda makes them way more keepable, especially one lander. I, I love keeping one, one landers on the play, on the draw every time. And, and I do play two counter spin mainboard. It's been, it's been falling out of fashion lately, but all of the top performing Miracle lists at the GP did play two counter spell and two ponder, which, well, it's not so much of a coincidence, but yeah, I think it's just the, um, the better setup for, for this deck now. I did play three Snapcaster Mage and one Mandelian click. Um, most other people play two Snapcaster and two clicks. But I still value Snapcaster's versatility over Ventilion Clicks. Sometimes bad draws in matchups where you can't really value a free one body. I mean, I know at least for me, I'm running two and two just because of the fact that I see a lot more, like say, sneak and show and stuff where I'd want Ventilion Click. So I run two and two in the main and one in the side, whereas you're running one and one. Yeah, correctly. Now, Philip, I, I, I'm kind of wondering here. I've seen Joe Lawson stream a lot with Miracles. Actually, that's pretty much the extent of my Miracles knowledge. And he's a really big proponent of Venser Shaper Savant. Have you ever considered running him as well? Yeah, I've, I've considered every card and I've tested every card. And Venser is like, he's like too perfect to be good. Like you can do so, so many awesome things with it. You, you, you can neuter an uh, infernal tutor by bouncing their own uh, land into their otherwise empty hand. You can stall everything with Caraca, Caracas and stuff. But as said, he's just too awesome to be good. He's only really good if it's in the late game and if you have a Caracas or if the opponent is doing something very special. Other than that, it's a four mana, I'll unsummon one permanent of yours and block. I don't like that. I, I'd much rather prefer a real late game winner like in Treaty Angels, which actually wins the game, or disruptive cards that actually disrupt the opponent every time, like like any other card in my deck. I'd, I mean, like if I'd be able to play two or three Caracas and a bunch of Indian Kicks and Vancers, yeah, I'm gonna run him. But playing more than one Caracas isn't what I'm going to do, so Vancers hasn't been a consideration here. I mean, I also played the two Caracas version with three Cleek and one Venser, and I definitely prefer the Snapcaster version. Being able to buy back, at least for me, Enlightened Tutor, Swords of Plowshares, Brainstorm, etc., has just been too good. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been playing with this too, but I didn't really like it because Vendillion Click is awesome when it's awesome, but other than that, it's just a free one body that doesn't really do a lot against decks where you can't value the information. Um, I am pretty much fine with not having a good matchup against show and tell. Like, that's, the, that's, that's really the only matchup I have where I say I'll gladly sacrifice this advantage uh, in order to have a good matchup against, like, really everything else. There are, I mean, Death and Texas is always uh, a kind of a lopsided matchup. If they have Eva Wild and we are in great danger of dying, like, to any of their threats. But if they don't have, have while we're in we're in good condition anyways because they pretty much fall to our chase plan. But other than that, there's just no bad matchup for the list I constructed besides sneaky deck, which of course would be easier if I play more Caracas, more clicks, and more Venses. But 
I just don't like the other matchups when playing so many legendary flash creatures. So Philip, um, tell me, how do you feel about Liliana? Because uh, here in Germany, people have been playing a lot of miracles over uh, the last six months, and everybody was like, whenever you you hear a bad beat story, it involves Liliana. Because every time Liliana resolves, people are like, and then I lost the game. So how do you deal with that? Okay, um, Liliana is very good against us, but she doesn't really win the game. So it really does depend on the board situation, whether Liliana is really good or if she's not. If the opponent probably um, bug Delver, can't apply any pressure, which they never can by the way, um, Liliana is just going to hellbend both of us. Which leaves most of us the Miracles player with the Divining Top, while the bug player draws from the top of his library which probably leads to us finding uh, Entreaty Angels or any Flash creature sooner than they, have a, than they are able to stick a threat. Um, a friend of mine whose opinion I value even boards out Liliana of the Whale in Blade when facing Miracles. It's Blade there, but still, um, Liliana is good if they can deploy any creature and then follow it up by Liliana and restrict my um, hand size. But if they don't, they're just going to hellbend both of us, leaving me with Sensus Dividing Top and a big, way, way um, bigger advantage than their draw a card one turn. So it definitely is good, but you're rarely losing a game against it. Like in my game um, round 15, uh, I got ultimated with Liliana. I had four lands in the top in play. Um, I just tap top, drew a card. So Liliana destroyed two lands of mine. Perfect. Good card, I guess. Like, free mana, <laughs> wait six turns, wait five turns, destroy two lands. Okay, that's fine. And you can, you, you can still go like, okay, uh, I'll tap all my lands, float all this mana. Okay, now uh, choose your pile. I'll keep the pile with the top. Activate it, spam endless angels, you're dead. So it's really not that good at winning against us. Um, one last question about your specific deck, Philip. Um, I noticed that you ran two copies of Counterbalance, uh, and that to me seemed... Pretty unusual for a miracles deck. That's no, no, no. Kind of soft luck. I ran three. Oh. Most of most of the other ran two, and I strongly uh, advised him to run three. Not everybody listened to me, and they didn't make top eight. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I think like. Uh, so what do they know? Yeah, sure. Uh, playing playing two color balance is just strictly wrong, I guess. You really, really need them. Like, yeah. Yeah, going back to Rafael Levy, he's actually playing just one counterbalance. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem correct to me with all the rumored storm floating around in Europe. Sure, and he played a disenchant member too, like at Strasbourg. So that's always been a little strange. He plays twenty lands and four pounder. That's that's not how I and many others approach this archetype. I don't know. I've really liked three counterbalance. Yeah, sure. It's, I it's have seen some versions, uh, especially like last year, that ran counterbalance with Stoneforge Mystic and some miracles that ran 20 lands, 4 ponder, but they also ran like a more active win condition with Stoneforge Mystic. Yes, I did, I did try this version on, on Friday at the Grand Prix Paris. Uh, it didn't work out too well, but I, I was able to make one very, very cool play. Like, okay, it was uh, on the extra turns, and it was first blood. So uh, normal Miracles wouldn't have been able to win against Elves, but because like how you're going to deal damage to them before they deal damage to you. So Got shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I had Stonefudge Mystic and Badass Card in hand, and he had a lot of elves. And when he was attacking, 
I was activating Stoneforge Mystic, bringing Battlescar in play. In response, ah, he, he was not attacking, sorry, he was not attacking. In response to the Living Weapon trigger, I spinned my top, Terminus the way he board, and attacked for the win. Alright, well, why don't you go over some of your interesting tournament experience uh, through the rounds as you played, um, just to give the listeners some idea of okay. you know, how, what you faced, what, uh, what gave you some challenges, what were some interesting plays, all that good stuff. Okay, sure. Um, one of the matches in the early rounds I did struggle with was actually Merfolk. You know, like, it's very hard to evaluate this matchup because at first glance it looks like creatures and lands and you gotta win. But those creatures are either island walking, so you can't entreat block them, or they're uncounterable, where uh, Cavern of Source or uh, Etherwild, or you can target them like Troon and Nemesis. I did manage to win game one by casting four consecutive terminus. My opponent didn't like me very much after this. Um, game two, he just nudged me away. And game three ended with me killing everything of him and deploying counterbalance lock with two and three on top. And he then played Lavan, Cephalid Empress. Like, <laughs> he plays Lavan. <laughs> Luckily enough. Against I an Against an angel deck, no less. Yeah. Unless he's got, like, Painter Servant out or something. <laughs> um, luckily enough, I had an Red Elemental Blast, so he was dead anyways. Um, on a later round, I started with Island and Divining Top, and my opponent was just, like, face palming and, oh my god, what are you doing? And I was like, okay, you, sir, are on Elves combo. And so he was. Uh, he didn't win a single match against me. A single game didn't, didn't work out. Um, I even faced um, Joel Larson in round 8. I was pretty excited to play against him. Uh, the first games, I, I had no idea what he was playing. So uh, in the first few rounds, we were just fetch and go, fetch and go, fetch and go. And like on, on turn 5, he cracked his fetch for Tundra and Volcanic, made Mystic. So he was probably on blue at Red Delver. Uh, he didn't even manage to get me below 15 in both games. So, yeah, this matchup felt pretty easy. There was another guy, I looked in the pairings, and his name was Espen Espenson. Now, take a guess what he was playing. Espen Blade. <laughs> like, when you see a name like this, you can like, you can't fall for this. Like, I will not fall for this trick. And yeah, he did play Esper Blade. <laughs> Esper? No, Esper? Esperson playing Esper? Espen Espenson playing Esper, yeah. Oh, wow. That's... Uh, I, I can't even comp. I mean, it's 6.30 in the morning and it's just <laughs> blowing my mind. <laughs> um, you know, there's this Dutch guy whose last name is like Rofelos, Frank Rofelos, I believe. And he's actually playing elves, so that's also pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in round 9, I handled three Grizzlebrands that were on the battlefield. He was on, on. How does wait? How does how does that work? All together? Uh, no, 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 Team no, 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 not together. So he was playing Reanimator, and mm. he was uh, fetching and fortizing a lot in the first turn. So then he reanimated his first Grizzlebrand. In response to the draw seven, I swords to plowshare did. So I killed the first one. Uh, he didn't have the force of will. I was stuck on two lands by this time, but was able to cast the brainstorm every turn. Still didn't find lands, and I put. Double terminus on top every time, and he then exhumed his second Grizzlebrand with like six cards in hand or something, and the terminus did. He didn't have counters. Then he show and tell his third Grizzlebrand, 
a terminus did. He didn't have any counters. Uh, he then fetched for a ponder, went to one life, and passed the turn. And at the end of, end of his turn, I played Snapcaster Mage. He was like, daze it, I force it, and he was dead. Like, he resolved three Grizzlebrands, I killed every one of them, and he got um, finished off by a Snapcaster Mage. I really liked that game. Like, this was fun. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. It reminds me of every experience I have with Reanimator. Yes. Well, the f the fair version of Reanimator, which is Finfins. attacking for three turns. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's uh, the unfair version. Okay, sure. Uh, on day two, I was facing against. Um, I was facing Chant, and there was one um, very interesting line where he had Chains of Mephistopheles, and I had a brainstorm. And when he faced, uh, when he he passed the turn. No, wait. He didn't pass the turn. He cast him to Turaj. And I was like, brainstorm in response, discard my whole hand, put on top, and treat the angels in terminus. Guess who won? <laughs> I won. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, he had all his, all his, all his hate pieces, but it, he even discarded five or six cards of mine in one turn and didn't win. Like, it, it was very amusing. Chains of Mephistopheles is a very distracting and good hate card, but still it doesn't seem to work out every time somebody plays it against me. No, see, the problem is people are playing the wrong hate cards. Demir Charm, that's what it's all about. Demir Charm, that, 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 this counters the sorcery, right? Counters the sorcery, but it also, you can look at the top three cards of somebody's library, put one on top, and two in the graveyard. Oh. So you could be like, you're trying to like, hey, I want to tap my top to cast my entreat, and the opponent goes, no, Demir Charm, put your entreat in the graveyard. Well, Screw that, you. that's mean. Yeah, if the reanimator had, if the reanimator player had Demir Charm, he would have been able to kill, uh, to swat your Snapcaster Mage, too. It's also a kill spell for power two or less. And it just costs three mana, right? Just two. two. Black and a blue. Wow. It's actually not a terrible card. It's not great. Well, just not pretty terrible. versatile, so... Maybe look into it as you uh, might want to be prepared for it, Philip. Yeah, c kind of. It's coming it's come <laughs> to get you. Uh, but many... So what you don't know is that Kobe and Matt have actually stocked up on like 24 copies of Demir Charm and are just looking to get a popular. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We don't, manip we don't manipulate the market. We just buy up all the yes. friends. <laughs> um, yeah, generally, uh, until round 12, I was undefeated. And then I was two consecutive rounds against the Mirror, both without ever winning a single game. The first one was against Maxime Schill, the Gillas, with mainboard Red Elemental Blast. Well, a well that's going to be yeah. tough. AKA um, Cheater Miracles is... Uh, Joe Lossett coined it a couple weeks back when he was showing it on stream. Ah, okay. Well, yeah. I didn't win a single game, and in the next round I was paired against Paolo Vitor, Damado Rosa, and guess what? He destroyed me, even from a mulligan to four. He wow. now, I think you mentioned in, your, in some of your notes that um, your specific build of Miracles was not quite as favored in the mirror as other decks. Why is that? Um... It's okay against the normal mirror, but the other miracle, stacks, miracle decks on the top here had either Red Elemental Blast mainboard, which gave them the feeling of already being postboard while playing the first game, or playing Stoneforge Mystic in the sideboard with a two Mystic, one Battlescar. Um, even though I knew he was going to bring it in, I could not afford to board accordingly. I did discuss this with a few friends of mine, and we agreed that we still have to play our normal plan and like I have two explosives and one disenchant for this plan alongside three counter spells. So we felt like this was enough. 
But in, in game two, Paolo Vitor was like, turn two Mystic, I cannot spell. Turn two Mystic, okay, resource, uh, turn three Mystic, resource. Followed up by Chase Demands Captain, okay, I'm dead. Like, it, it happens. Um, when preparing for more mirror matches, I might even add a third Ventilion click to the deck. Like, this is the only cha uh, change I would probably make over the first Flusterstorm. This might be an idea, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm playing. Uh, I'm playing three Gwendolyn clicks total and two Flusterstorm, and I've found it okay in the yeah. mirror. That's, that's definitely a reasonable way to put it. Um, it's really tough. I mean, I've found the mirror matchup to be who can protect their top, basically. Yeah, or whoever draws the top, like I didn't most of the time, which might have uh, led to my loss anyways, but yeah, top or uh, uh, counterbalance or whatever. Well, pretty in-depth. Do you want to discuss your sideboard at all? Let's take a look at it, <laughs> just to make sure I'm not missing something. <laughs> yeah, uh, as far as I know, my Red Elemental Blast Pyroblast split is wrong. I was under the assumption that Red Elemental Blast was superior when facing misdirection decks. People, several people, including judges, have told me they are not. So, as far as I know, it's, it would be better to play more Pyroblast than Red Elemental Blast. It of course has the upside of upping the Flusterstorm count, should you ever board in those, but yeah. yeah I think and that's just because the Pyroblast can be d redirected to anything, but it only counters a blue thing? Well, that, is... that, that, well, I think on the stack, Pyroblast does the same thing, which is, I mean, the only spell you're going to be really be able to misdirect to is generally going to be a blue spell. I think the only issue is when you're trying to destroy a blue permanent with Pyroblast, then it becomes worse. Correct. But how often does that how often does that happen against let's say a sneak attack deck that already runs misdirect? Yeah, like like never. Um, one thing is a uh, is the sideboarding plan against Team America. Um, I'm boarding very unusual. Like nobody else boards this. Uh, very very few people board this way. For example, I do not bring in Rest in Peace, and I board out Vendillion Click. Uh, the plan behind this is the following: um, every Delver list as of now plays Golgari Charms. So they are bringing those in. And Golgari Charms is really good against Mendelian Click and Rest in Peace. And in order to not get tempoed out, I board out my counterbalances, my Mendelian Clicks alongside my Force of Will. And, and I won't bring in any additional enchantments. Only more removal in forms of Engine Explosives, Counter Spells, uh, Supreme Verdicts, and Fluster Storms. And of course, one of disenchant against Buck, always. No extra entreat? Well, you could bring the extra entreat over the third Flusterstorm, but this would leave you with six win conditions against a tempo deck that can still go like Wasteland Wasteland. I think, f I think five yeah, are fine. True. You could even consider going down, down to four, actually, but rather five than six. Now, Philip, I think I saw the stream a little bit, and I noticed most, if not all, your deck is altered. Oh, yes. Uh, as of now, it's just like 40%, but I'm working on it. All the money I've got from the GP will probably be invested into more alterations. Uh, like an hour ago, I, um, I ordered counter spells, spell pierces, terminus, and treaty angels to be made. Plus, I wanted to upgrade my basic lands from Sandrilene as those are probably more legal than the ones I uh, had at the tournament. And yeah, it was pretty funny, like, I asked the head judge before the Grand Prix and at the Grand Prix whether or not my um, orders are legal, and he said they were. And at the GP itself, one, op one 
one, one guy sitting next to my opponent was like totally freaking out and wow, those, those cards are illegal and call the judge, he's cheating. And as he was yelling, as he was yelling at me, I was like, okay, I will call the judge. And I did call and he said like, okay, you uh, talk, talk to the head judge, you can play with them. And in the quarterfinals, Jean-Marie Akar, known as Lee J on, on the internet, he asked me kindly to replace my altered planes with normal ones because it would distract him. And I was like, okay, so if he's asking that kindly, why not do it? And I did um, swap out those planes for, for uh, I don't know, Dark Ascension ones or something. But yeah, it, it didn't really matter all day long. I've just had one one guy standing beneath uh, calling the judge, but yeah, it was it, it's pretty fun. Bec yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, didn't you tell me at the event that you actually had to change one of the the islands because it didn't look like Correct. an island? Correct. Uh, I had like five or six altered islands in my trade painter, but uh, only four in my deck. And I showed showed it to him, and he was like, "Okay, this one looks really great." But not like an island. Please, uh, please um, take another one. I was like, okay. So here we got another, uh, some more. You choose which one to take. And he like, okay, this one looks best. So take <laughs> this one. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, uh, was that the uh, Valorwin uh, island, the one with like the meadow and the creek? Uh, no, it's um, the island that was illegal. Um, looked didn't didn't really look like an island that's. That's a real island, so it's just like a very heavily altered one. So I'm I'm really fine with it being illegal. So like you had a bigger mountain on top no, of no. it and some forests growing across no, no. from it. Okay, 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 <laughs> wait, wait. It did look like an island, but it did not look like an island made by wizards. Right? Okay. It looked like a tropical uh, island. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, I've decided to get um, to get better uh, alpha or beta islands altered now because those actually look like islands at any time so I won't have any further problems but haven't had any problems anyway so I heard on this we'll provide a we'll provide a link or the pictures in the um, in the show notes so people can take a look at, at the deck and you know give uh, give Philip some heads up for uh, the beautiful deck that he played. <laughs> yeah but I heard a lot of people were um, complaining about my altars in this in the twitch stream like I mean people always complain about everything but yeah still yeah, but that's yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I heard that um, Julian, you were also altering a deck in some fashion. <laughs> yeah, kind of altering. Um, it was although I didn't day two. Uh, I really feel like this was the Grand Prix I had the, by far the most fun, and and it was a great experience because I don't know why, but I actually had lots of people approach me about autographs and signing the decks and, and taking pictures and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm on the Bazaar of Moxon, maybe it's, it's because I stream quite a bit but yeah over the course of the weekend I at least signed 20 different cards for people and I actually had two guys that wanted me to sign their entire deck so, <laughs> so that was really crazy there was this French guy, he was really really nice and kind and he asked for can you sign this card? And maybe this one. Oh, and while while you're at it, this one. And so after like four or five cards, I'm like, so you want me to sign the entire deck? And yes, 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 that would be great. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually signed his entire entire deck, and I think 
I, I signed everything except for the Fetchlands because he's using them in a different deck, and of course it was an elf stack, and would be kind of strange. It, I think it's kind of strange in the first place to have me sign the cards because I'm neither Richard Garfield nor the artist, but he really wanted it, and and it makes a cool story, so why not? We actually took a picture of, of me signing it, and I posted it to Facebook, and suddenly my sister message, messages me again, and she's like, what? Are you famous yet? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> what you should have done is like, well, you're signing the deck, you say, excuse me, if I'm signing your deck, you need to go buy me a cup of coffee or something, please. Uh, <laughs> taking all this time. <laughs> I actually did it in between rounds in the side event, so it, it gathered quite a lot of people and really looked like I was some kind of artist, so <laughs> I still feel, feel I, I don't know, it feels cool, but also I think I don't really deserve all that much, much attention, but, <laughs> you know, in a way you really enjoy it. And, and don't worry, you, you don't cool deserve guys. it. Yeah, yeah, you, you already told me. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I think, uh, Julian, you you, man you mentioned that uh, even though the Grand Prix experience didn't work out for you, you still managed to walk away with some pretty cool prizes from uh, side oh, events. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. So, I 6 to one the side event. Uh, I can give you some a short summary of how the main event... Uh, I 6 to one the main event. I can give you a short summary later. Uh, so, on day two, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Yeah, well, obviously, I'm going to play Legacy. So, I sign up for the side event which had like, I believe, 150 players, maybe slightly less. And it was capped at six rounds. And yeah, so I started playing. First round was against uh, Deathblade. I 2 owed him. Um, yeah, not a, lot, not a whole lot to say. You're rather favored with elves against most late decks, except for Blue White Red Delver. So in the next round, I'm playing against this guy. And he's got... Um, all I see in game one is Wasteland. Punishing Fire and Groove of the Burn Willows. So, obviously, I think, oh yeah, that's this new land stack. And I board accordingly. So, while sideboarding, he's like, yeah, you don't really win the first game with Chunt against Elves. And I'm like, oh, true. What the fuck, man? Of course he's playing Chunt. That's <laughs> so much more likely. So, I uh, exchange some of the cards and then present my decks and also win 2-0. In the third round, I'm playing against the Finnish guy, and for some reason, I basically know most of the Finnish legacy elite. At least they know some guy I know, and uh, Yori Huka, uh, the current Finnish legacy champion. And I do a lot of testing with, uh, with him, and because of him, I feel most of the guys actually know me and know what I'm playing. So we sit down, he wins the die roll, and he wants me to go first. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, so you go first. No, I want you to go first. Uh, so it's pretty clear he's on Mana the Stretch. So we talk a bit about Mana the Stretch, and he tells me, my deck is really good, but it's got one problem. It loses to good players. So I tell him, yeah, so you're in for trouble. And he just looks at me and is like, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, what can I say? It's Mana the Stretch. I haven't ever lost, I even think, a single game against Mana the Stretch with Elves. Because the key is to just eat up all the actual important guys. You let him dredge, but at some point you could just get Deathrite Shaman and Quirion Ranger online. Uh, even Scavenging Ooze at some point, and there's no way for him to win. And Unless then, he's got the very And then you drop a cradle draw. and just eat like 10 cards at oh a time. Oh yeah, oh that feels so good. That's, that's <laughs> like sex. <laughs> so, in the next round, in round 4, I'm playing against a German guy. And he's playing Blue, uh, Blue White Red Delver. 
he's a really nice guy. I don't remember his name now, but I also won 2-0. And he made some sketchy plays. I don't. Re he seemed like a good player, but for example, in game two, he starts Volcanic Island, Mainfest Brainstorm, go. So I'm like, what the fuck? What does this mean? I have no idea. So the only thing I could I could actually imagine what he was trying Maybe to find. Maybe show? No, no, he's blue, white, red, Delva. It's game two. I already know. Oh, it was our game two then. Yeah, Maybe yeah. he was looking for triple gun shot <laughs> <laughs> on the first turn. <laughs> that is well, a that's, weird play. That's pretty much never yeah, good, it's a totally right? weird play. Unless you're playing Storm. Yeah, yet the only way I could actually make sense of it because in game one he actually seemed like a, an okay player, like even a good player. And the only way I could make sense of it is like maybe he was looking for a Taxium probe to find out whether he should force a film <laughs> my first turn play. That's like the only way I could come up with any solution, but I, I felt it was just bad. So I went 2-0 as well, and so there's two rounds left. So in the semi to last round, I sat down across from Timo Schunemann. You might know him as the winner of Grand Prix Gent. I also played against him at in the last round of the Swiss at the Bazaar of Moxen where we actually intentionally drew to get in the top 8. And yeah, of course, we both know what each other is playing. He's playing blue, black, green, uh, Atmosphere Storm. And for the side event, I actually took out two of my dedicated hate cards against Storm and put in another choke and a Nilrod. So Nilrod is still quite good against Storm. It's not as good as an another discard spell or mindback trap. But yeah... Uh, I win the first game on the back of him not drawing what he actually needed. So in the second game, I think I mulligan to 6, he mulligans to 5. And I keep 2 natural orders, 2 lands, and I believe 2 elves. So I get out my elf on the first turn. But actually for the draw, I actually draw the third natural order. So Timo, on his second turn, he goes for ponder into cabot therapy. And I feel like, no, I've lost this game. There's no way I'm going to win this. But much to my surprise, he actually names Glimpse of Nature. And, yeah. <laughs> he, his face kind of drops when I, after the game, show him that I actually sided out all four Glimpse of Nature. So, that was like, I could have been dead there. Instead, Rurik Thar smashed his face. So, yeah. <laughs> that felt like I shouldn't have won it because usually, you really, especially with combo, you really should name a natural order. E even more so because I was actually rep representing it for the next turn. And yeah, I think he made a mistake there, but nobody's perfect. So for the last round, the last round is actually kind of interesting because the price payout was a bit fucked up. So if you went 5-0 oh, and 1, you would get 3 dual lands. If you went 6-0, oh, you get 4 dual lands. But if you lose the last round and go 5-1, and one, you only get 1 dual land. So obviously I offer the draw to my opponent. And he's like, he's a, he's a Finnish guy, and a, the, actually the first Finnish Magic player I played against that neither knew me, nor did I know him. So that was already kind of strange. <laughs> and yeah, he's, he's very grumpy and, and not really in a good mood. And he's like, no, don't want to draw. So I explained it to him again. And the other guy sitting next to us also explained it to him that it's much better value to just draw. And he just gives me a look and is like, no, <laughs> I came to game. I'm 100% sure I'm gonna win this match. And they're like, whoa, slow, <laughs> come on, really? Foreshadow. <laughs> yeah, oh. So, turns out he's playing Dragon Stompy, <laughs> which is uh, already kind of interesting on its own. How does that get to five? <laughs> <laughs> just found bugged over decks that didn't have the Force of Will. Yeah, maybe he was playing <laughs> an early version of the modern deck. <laughs> he actually wrote a uh, report on the Dragon Stompy thread on the source. 
can check there. Yeah, I have to go so, troll. Yeah, that. I'd have to read it and then I'd cry. So no. <laughs> we'll, yeah, get, um, we'll get Sean to uh, do the research on that one. Actually, somebody told me afterwards that this guy actually cried after losing <laughs> the finals of the semi-finals, uh, of, the, of the side event, but I'm not sure, but I was told later, but I don't know. I think he, he spoke really big words before the last match, and it must feel kind of bad to lose, and yeah. So, he actually wins the first game, uh, not so much on the backs of Chalice on one, but more on actually Blood Moon that denied me my second green mana in order to go for natural order into the win. So that's the first and only game loss I ever took in the entire side event. So at this point I'm like, come on, you really have to beat this guy. He's 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 not even cocky. He he seemed like uh, very determined. He, yeah, not not even determined. It's like very very sad. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> just a sad fin. Just lives up near the North Pole. Yeah, Very yeah. Sad. Just wants to play magic. I mean, I really don't want to bash him as much as I'm doing right now. But right at the point when he said he was 100% sure he's gonna win this match, I was like, "Come on, you little yeah." <laughs> so the second game, he mulligans to five, as he's supposed to do with Dragon Stompy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, he. I believe he finds a chalice on one, but I don't really care because chalice on one isn't as problematic as m one might think. You just play your other guys, you play your Bachelor Ranger Morphed, you play your Visionaries, you've got the Senate, and at some point I just natural order for the win. I think he's got the, oh, what's it called? Not Sudden Spoiling, sudden but demise, is yeah. it Sudden Demise, the new card? Yeah, he's got two copies of Sudden Demise and clears my board two times, but I think he's not got nothing else going on. So, yeah. So we move on to the last game. He's on the play again, and that's where it's always scary against this kind of deck. Because if he's got the first turn Blood Moon, I've got two forests in my entire deck that I can have. Otherwise, I'm pretty much fucked. So, uh, no surprises. He might against 2-5 and starts with Mountain Go. So I'm like, okay, great. So I fetch my forest, uh, play some elves. And on his second turn, he just plays another Mountain and Umesawa's Chitte. So I'm like, mm. okay, I guess I'm not gonna lose this match. I thought sees him, and I see like Stormbreath Dragon, uh, Magus of the Moon, and what else did I see? Some some huge guys, maybe even Gathering Riders. I don't remember. I I, I therapied him. I actually, yeah, yeah, I bought th uh, therapies. I actually played a lot more with therapies than I used to in the past, and I think they're great. But that's just a side note. So yeah, I think he doesn't even cast any other spells besides that Chitter in that game and yeah, so I won the side event. I actually won four blue duels, which should be right about because the condition is actually much better than you'd expect. Right about four hundred euros, a little less. So <laughs> that's like I don't know, a top thirty two finish at the Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> this this shows you how bad the price pa so the price payer that the Grand Prix is. Like compared to Ovino in, in Milano or of Moxon, it's, it's hilarious. What did you get paid out, Philip? Uh, $1,500 and uh, dollars? dollars. They even paid you out in dollars? Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. So, and but uh, at least I got a uh, Pro Tour invite so I can play Legacy in Atlanta. Oh, wait, no, I can't. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's a side event. You can gather some people. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing in, in, in Atlanta. Well, it's, it's block constructed, whatever. That will still be easy. To well, build a deck. 
Just work on your work on your drafting. That that's the yeah. biggest important part because that's the beginning of day one and beginning of day two is like a sure. I've draft. I've played two drafts in my life already. This is enough for a pro tour, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, you'll be like a savant. <laughs> sure, like I mean, I would be preparing for the pro tour, but the constr uh, the gen into Nix is like released two weeks before, so it's it's pretty pretty time tense, I guess. So I guess you're gonna double the amount of drafts you will sure, ever like have done with the pro tour. <laughs> 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 Maybe I'll, I'll get I get in a third or fourth draft before the pro tour, pro tour. But like, yeah, I hope it will be fun. So we'll see you <laughs> at the pre release then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best preparation. Uh, so he he goes to the top eight of the pro tour, and uh, Brian David Marshall is like, "So Philip, tell us, how did you prepare for the pro tour? Well, I played my local pre release." <laughs> <laughs> okay, challenge accepted, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it in Austria. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, Valentin Mackel, champion yeah. of all our pre-releases. <laughs> well, congratulations again, Philip. Uh, excellent job on, uh, on the tournament, and thanks for putting on a, sh a show with uh, all the alters and some of the type play. I did, I, the commentators did make an interesting remark about how you played your graveyard, which is, like, played in front of you. Um, and I know you're playing with Snapcaster, so that's kind of relevant for the playstyle as well. Yeah, yeah, correct. So, graveyard in front, and then battlefield up at the top. I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, because you, you really don't want to give an opponent to know that you have drawn Snapcaster Mage. And, well, you could bring the, bring the argument that you remember all the spells you have cast, but tell me you remember every spell you cast in a 40-turn uh, control mirror. Like, this isn't going to work, yeah. so... Yeah. Sometimes I've seen, I've seen people suggest making notes on your life pad with, like, hash marks for, like, counterspell, brainstorm, sources of plowshares, using, like, apostrophes and backslashes, but in practice it ends up being very difficult to remember to do that and to remember what they mean. Another thing I managed at the Grand Prix was never being ex uh, in timeout. Like, I finished every game. That's actually accomplishment. Yeah. Like, before the time was called and I lost the mirrors in about 10 minutes. Like, it wasn't even a fight. Well, what I like most about Miracles, at least compared to the old blue-white control decks before all of this, was before you just had Jace and you're like, okay, to win, you'd need to sit there for a couple of minutes and fate seal, fine. Whereas now you're just like, oops, and treat the angels, kill you. It's a one-turn... Yeah. It's 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 just too good, yeah. Sure. Uh, but still, many Miracle players manage to draw round after round, and yeah, they probably shouldn't be playing this deck, I guess. Or they're just taking too long to top, maybe. That's why. Sure, yeah. Like, you really should have a lot of experience before bringing Miracles to any tournament, unless you're, yeah, not nah, just like in any way. So overall, would you make any changes to your deck for uh, next time, or an expected uh, GP that was being held, say, a month away? Uh, well... Probably cut the third Flusterstorm for a Ventilion click, but I think I'm gonna test a lot more mirror matches. And I mean, like I felt com I felt comfortable with the mirror matches, but they just didn't work out. Uh, zero wins and six losses aren't gonna lie, anyways. So probably a third Ventilion click somewhere in the deck, but that's it. I think, yeah. Probably. And how do you think the results of this tournament are? What do they say about Legacy, or what do you think the way Legacy is going to move or has been moving? Uh. It's kind of, there weren't so many uh, true nemesis in the top 8 as they were expected, right? But the format's still like probably nemesis, 
Miracles and Combo. And I really do like this metagame, not of a play style uh, consideration, but more like of how Miracles is positioned in this very metagame. Because like you really beat up on those Patriot and Team America um, decks, whether they play True Nemesis or not. Some even boarded out True Nemesis against me, like I don't know what they're doing. And you have a good matchup against these combo decks too, so as long as the metagame stays as it is, like uh, Nemesis against combo against Miracles, I think Miracles is definitely the best position deck right there. And, well, it's not, a hel it's not the healthiest metagame, but it's at least fun to play in, at least for me. So what deck would you definitely, besides 12 post, which is definitely not your best matchup, <laughs> what deck would you say that is at least somewhat present in the format is kind of your worst matchup? Like this matchup I don't like to play against is Stefan Texas and Sneak Attack. They're by no way a bad matchup, but they're just matchups that you can't really influence by your um, actions, by your skill, by your experience to win. Like if Sneak Attack has those uh, free enablers and double counter, you're dead. If Stefan Texas starts with E for a while and you kept the hand that's, that can't really interact with it, you're dead. So those are the matchups that I would say like 50-50. Probably a little worse sometimes, depending on the on the build of the opponent's deck. But like those are the matchups I don't like to see. Murfog, if it's built the Saito way with four Kevin of Source, is a bad matchup too. And everything else is just easy, right? You, it's just too hard to lose against most of the other decks. Kobe, do you? Uh... Um, no, sounds good. Looking forward to. Uh, I'm actually going to a legacy tournament about like. Six hours. Okay, so. perfect. Take take yeah. take my mir take my miracles and you will win everything. Trust me. Uh, I'm thinking more like ten fins, you know. Uh. <laughs> finish the rounds off in like twenty minutes. Grab well, some. Twenty minutes is fine for miracles too if you play fast enough. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I take mo normally twenty-five to thirty minutes, but yeah, this just just works. I think the longest round, the shortest round I've ever had was in standard back when. Um, I think it was like Innistrad and Scars were still around. I think I finished an entire match in 12 minutes on the clock. 12 minutes. Hmm. 12 minutes, including sideboarding. It was just like curve out, sideboard curve out. My opponent was not in the game at all. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's standard, right? Well, my, what, what's, what's my fastest match with Miracles? Besides game losing the opponent and stuff. Um, hmm. Probably against High Tide at the Grand Prix. It took me 19 to 20 minutes. It was like counter balance, snapcaster, 20 to 0. Second game, endless counter, snapcaster, turn 2, kill you. I was actually watching that match because I had a buy in the first round. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> it felt kind of cool. The guy like had, I think, no chance at all. No, no really. Just like game, game 1, he was counter balance locked with 1 and 3 on top. And game 2, I had 2 lands, a snapcaster and rest of counter spells, so he's probably dead. Well, it was kind of a shame to play with one revised island. I, I really tried to hide it in the stream, because like all my other duels and stuff are altered, but I just got one revised island. Uh, uh, no, no, no island, volcanic island. But, yeah. Sometimes I've done that before. I've done that before with all FBBs and then one white base, one color. Yeah. White border, really there we go. <laughs> you're really trying to hide it as long as it's possible. <laughs> yeah. The only white border sure, normally is, it is the summer normally white border. But, well, hmm. altering summer duels, that would be something, right? 
<laughs> Go away, man. Uh, now, now I'm gonna do that just to uh, just to be the one. You might blackboard some summer duels. Yeah. Are you gonna knock some sense into me? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be next level pimp, right? Yeah. Reverse pimp. <laughs> now, Julian, you mentioned um, you were gonna tell us more about the main event where you went six two and one. Unfortunately, missing day two, but. Yeah, that's like the worst, the worst score you can have in the end, but uh, as we know, things worked out in the end. But yeah, in the main event, I actually had one bye, because on Friday I went to the finals of a trial, but I had to mulligan to five tries and got, him by, uh, got hit by him, and then drew my favorite Hydra Avatar Progenitus, so that didn't work out. Although I actually bet Shaw-Maria Kart in the semi-finals of the trial, which was by far the, oh my god, the hardest match I ever played in a very long time. That's like the first time... I really felt exhausted after a match, but yeah, so it uh, didn't actually earn my second buy, so for the second round I sit down across from green-white, splashing black hate bears, f uh, splashing for Silas persecution, and yeah, it was a German guy, it was a nice guy, we actually drew in the end, because when the third time and the third game, time was called immediately, so I had two turns, he had three turns, and I actually almost pulled off the second turn kill. But I was like one card short of it, and I feel I had a pretty decent chance of actually winning the match. But he didn't want to concede, and that's fine. I also haven't conceded in situations like this, and in the end, it, it actually worked out for me. This time, it worked out for him because he went 6-0-3 and actually made day two. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. And I think my wins aren't as interesting to people. I just bet uh, Esper Blades, Death in Texas, and Shardless Buck as well. As oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, that's the matchup I rece received the most questions about. I played against one Murakus, and I actually 2-0'd it. <laughs> and a lot of my friends... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Considering the Bazaar of Moxen, I'm like now 5-0-1 against Murakus with elves. So <laughs> we, we really got a duel one day, right? <laughs> At some point, yeah. I, I was challenging you for the finals of the next Bazaar of Moxen, but sure. you didn't want to come, so... <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm, I might be coming. Planes have, chan have changed. Okay. So okay. I, I'll, be, I'll be there so and winning everything again, I guess. Okay, we just have to make sure the, the top eight brackets work out. So maybe you have to win the last or lose the last round in the Swiss. We don't know. <laughs> 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 okay, so um, how did, did I actually beat Miracles? Um, the first game was, like I always tell people, how they can you at least have a slight chance of beating Miracles. You just go to the face. Yeah, you're all in as soon as possible. You put them on the spot for having Terminus because there's no outplaying or playing around. You don't have the tools to... In game one, you don't have the tools to deal with the counterbalance. There's nothing you can do. So I just throw everything to the table. He's got Terminus for the first time. And for the second time, he just brings and bricks and he doesn't find it. So it's like a small chance, but at least it is a chance. Um, game two is where it gets really, really interesting. Really interesting. Because... The match goes on, he terminuses away some guys. I think he actually terminuses twice for only two creatures, which felt kind of bad. And he did a lot of fetching. I think he drew a l about 10 fetch lands over the entire game, so that's like half his life total. And I get in for some early beats at some point. So at some point he's down to eight life. And I actually have eight power on the table, considering that I can untap the Death White Chairman twice and kill him that way. So the situation is... I've got lethal damage on board, he's got one card in hand, senses divining top in play, and I don't know, seven lands. So I'm like, okay, so I guess I go for it, but to make sure, um, 
on my draw step, I draw the Thoughtseize. So to make sure the coast is clear, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> I Thoughtseize him. No, I, oh, actually, I had the thought. I, I had saved the Thoughtseize. I had drawn another card for my turn, which I will tell you about later. So on my main phase, I Thoughtseize him. So this guy, he, this guy, he shows me Brainstorm. And I'm like, okay, that's suspicious. Why didn't he brainstorm in response? And the first thing that comes to my mind is, ah, okay, he might have entreated the angels on top and wants to, to trigger it with the top and not lose one mana to brainstorm. So that's what I think m might be the case. So I take the brainstorm, and this is the point where, you know, the High Council of the Shadow Knights might at some point try to expel me for abusing my powers because I play... Sen Pithing Needle, and he's just like, um, okay, resolves. So I name Top. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I go all in, kill him, and then after the match, he just flips over the top card of his deck, and it's actually Terminus. <laughs> so I have no idea what he was thinking, and I actually had to, had to get him two times. First time with the Thoughtseize on the Brainstorm, which could have triggered the Miracle, and second time with the needle on the sensor divining top. And I actually got there two times, so don't ask me. Really, I didn't ask for these powers. It's just <laughs> the way maybe you sometimes Maybe you just fell asleep in the match and you kind of played around. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, you play, uh, I don't know, isn't there this card, Pollen Lullaby, you can, you can use to... Oh, no, that's not Pokemon. Pokemon is this Pamelov? I don't know, that's what's it called in German. <laughs> Jigglypuff. Uh, Quicklypuff, okay. <laughs> So for the next round, um, I play against Chunk Hexmage, uh, Chunk Depths, Chunk Hex Hexmage Depths, whatever you want to call it. And this was the round where I made a really, really interesting read. Uh, the way I feel, my opponent actually lost the game on the very first turn because because he gave away slightly too much information. And I asked a lot of pe uh, people about it, and like half of them don't even know what I was talking about, but I knew it immediately. So the guys, I go first. Let me see. He goes He goes first. He's like, Urborg, Tomb of Yagmoth, Sensei's Divining Top, and then he plays Lotus Petal. And because he played that Lotus Petal, I feel he might have lost the game. Because by playing the Lotus Petal on the first turn, he was very clearly telegraphing one card and one card only. And because I picked up that information, I later was able to play around a trick and win the match. Was so you might already know which card. Yeah, it was the trick... Um like a smallpox deck? Mm, well, like I couldn't really know at that point. In tomb or crop rotation? Yeah, that sounds better. <laughs> so, because he played the Lotus Petal, I actually got the read of crop rotation. Because he was on the play, he was playing what seemed to be to him an unknown opponent, so he played the, the Lotus Petal to make sure a wasteland wouldn't blow him out. Instead, he would blow out the opponent. So, on my turn, I'm just like, that's right, Chairman Go. On his turn, he plays a Swamp, taps out to play a Hex Mage. So at this point I'm like, okay, so like, what's the worst case scenario? He end of turn crop rotations for Dark Depth, ca uh, gets the token, and swings for lethal. So, yeah, because that's the worst case and it actually kills me, I have to find a way to play around it. Uh, on my turn, I've, I've got a hand that can put like seven or eight elves, no, maybe not as much, but, but about seven elves to the table. I had like a Heritage Druid, a Nettle Sentinel, a vision, several Visionaries, and this is actually what I would have done had I not seen the Lotus Petal on the first turn that would try to play around uh, Wasteland. So 
instead of actually throwing the hand to the table, which would leave Deathrite Shaman tapped, I just play some elves, like I think I play Nettle Sentinel, Heritage Druid, and maybe Quirion Ranger, and Bounce. Uh, so the, the point is I'm not completely committing to the board and leave up some mana. And as expected, he goes for end of turn crop rotation, gets the Dark Depth, and sacrifices the Hexmage. Uh, gets a 20-20 token. Uh, I didn't fetch, so I'm still at 20 life, but yeah, that's 20 damage. So what I do is, on his upkeep, I actually untap the Deathrite Shaman with the, the Quirion Ranger, then tap, tap the Quirion Ranger, the Heritage Druid, and the Nettle Sentinel for green mana, and eat the Hexmage. I do it in the upkeep because he actually had Abrupt Decay in hand, and had I waited for the main phase, he could have played a Bayou, and in response to targeting the Deathrite Shaman, he could have uh, propticated and I would have died. So that was really key, because now I went up to 22 life. He swings for 20, all the way down to 2. So I'm like, okay, I have to find a win. I untap, and I don't have any lands in play, because I had to bounce the uh, with the Quirion Ranger on my turn, as well as on his turn, so I untap with no lands. And I have to find a way to win, because I'm not gonna survive another hit, I believe. Uh, for a very short moment, I'm like, okay, if I can activate Deathrite Shaman 10 times, maybe... So, nah, that's out the window. That's not gonna happen. So I go for a Glimpse turn, and it's a really, really complicated Glimpse turn, because I, I just don't want to play a land, because I really, I've got high hopes of actually drawing a Cradle, like I usually always do when I need it, but this time I didn't. So I keep drawing, not playing lands, get, get complicated interactions, and at some point I've got Beomoth in hand, and all I can do is produce 7 mana. Even if I, pl if I play a forest, it's just 7 mana, and I don't get to the fucking 8th mana. And I'm like, come on, this is not how I want to be leaving this tournament. So, a brain, 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 and at some point I'm like, hey, there's a way. So what do you do with 7 mana and elves? It's kind of obvious. You just green sun send it for 6 for Rurik Thar, because that guy's got reach. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I get Rurik Thar into play. Uh, the guy untaps, swings again. Rurik Thar sac makes a noble sacrifice. And on my turn, I just tap out and try to Behemoth and blow him out. So, wow. That was really one of the matches I, I knew I had to work for. And it felt so rewarding because I made all the right calls, all the right reads. And, uh, yeah, that was just... Yeah... Unfortunately, I actually lost the next round to Esperblade because like, uh, he just had it all. At some point, you, you just lose with Elves if he's got several copies of Salus Persecution, Chit, and it was funny. On, on like the second or third turn, I thought sees him, and it's like staring into hell. You see two copies of, of Salus Persecution. He's got Chit, he's got Sword of Fire and Ice, he's got Meddling Mage, he's got, I think, Swords of Plowshares and Force. So I'm like, okay, even if I take two, maybe even three cards out of this hand, I might still lose the game. And yeah, <laughs> that's what I did. Yeah, so rough. in the end, I end up that's rough six to that one. And yeah, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm too old for actually worrying about losing to, sometimes losing to things you can't really influence. I mean, if you pick up a deck like Elves, you accept to sometimes lose to miracles. To what might or might not be a better player, but yeah, to miracles. <laughs> Actually, uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, but in the end, everything came together, and I'm really happy Philip day two and uh, no, not only day two, <laughs> top eight, top four, because I feel the very first time we ran into each other was like, was it two years ago? Almost two years ago, at Grand Prix Gent? Yeah, because we had yeah. yeah. 
we had talked to each other on the source before, but we didn't really know what each other was looking like. So we played in the side event, and the second round he sits down across from me, and he's like, are you Julian23 from the source? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, what? <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Who is this guy? <laughs> So he had actually, yeah, he, I think you told me there's only one shooter. Back then, I was uh, on the dark side of the force. I was playing Miracles. On the good side, yeah. And <laughs> 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 that's what Arthur's Lord would say. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. so I beat you in the uh, side event, and, and, you, and you said, I, I only concede if you promise me to win the side event. And I did. <laughs> so oh yeah, I remember. True, true. Yeah, it did. Yeah, but <laughs> that's a man of a sword. So, like every time I have buys at a Grand Prix, like in Ghent, I had three buys and I lost the first three rounds. In Strasbourg, I had no buys. I made top 64, and in Paris, I had no buys either. I made top eight. So I don't think I'm ever going to have buys for any GP because like it's not going to work out anyways. You'll just have to keep yeah, playing you know those pre releases. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's this old Russian legacy saying, buys are for girls. Yeah, sure, sure, and sure. I think you just stay true to it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's, it's actually true. Uh, the first Grand Prix I played with no buys, I got 16th place. So there is some merit to that. Yeah. That was the Maverick, uh, the time you placed with Maverick, right? Yeah. I had a sick read on the metagame, totally prepared. Lost in the finals to Vermeer. Or lost in the last round to Vermeer, so... It's uh, the mirror is hard. Yeah. Sometimes you have to play oh, against your. Don't get me started on the Maverick mirror. Oh man. Yeah. That's like when you when you have <laughs> the best deck for the format and prepare for everything, but yourself. <laughs> oh, that's right. You yeah. that as well. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for uh, a story from uh, from Julian on when he'll finally lose to his own deck. Not to his own deck. Oh, to the mirror. To the mirror. Yeah. That would be that would be interesting. That that's when you know that you've played a lot when you finally lose to the mirror. While for elves, you sometimes can actually lose the mirror. The mirror is actually interesting because um, at some point, of course, you want a natural order for the win. But if you jump the gun too early and you natural order for like 16 or 18 damage, the other guy might might actually be forced to do the same because suddenly you've got this 5-5 blocker and some other guys. And going for the win might be too dangerous for him. So that's actually a match I had uh, the week before the uh, Grand Prix Paris, where I natural order for 18 damage. My opponent was kind of forced to do the same. So we had this weird const uh, draft match where everybody had like some guys and one very big guy. So we kept trying to get an attack. So it didn't really work out. And in the end, that's why Chairman goes all the way. Right on. Well, thanks, uh, Philip, and thank you, Julian, for coming on to our podcast and sharing your experience with uh, Grand Prix Paris. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me we on We appreciate well. you guys taking your time out of your busy magic schedules to uh, <laughs> spend some time. Sure. And uh, we're looking forward to more success from you guys in, uh, in large events. Uh, like here in the, like uh, pre-releases, Fred? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just make sure to open all the good rares and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it as a pro tour right oh this, this, this actually sounds, sounds like a better plan than anything else opening the best packs yeah that's yeah like please do that like, like well sometimes you have to open them and then pass them so that's kind of no, like, no, no. uh, you want to make sure you get the best no no, no I, I'm not going to pass the pack I'm keeping it just put it in your pocket <laughs> and pass another one <laughs> sure. you actually have to wear a t-shirt that says 
I'm gonna rare pick no matter what. Like <laughs> <laughs> and there is a market for Pro Tour stamped rare, so you might be onto something. <laughs> sure, like next level read. Maybe you can ask the judge to use a nice stamp to to put something cool on it. <laughs> Thanks for listening on another episode of Eternal Everyday Eternal. I'm Jacob. I'm Matt. I'm Philip. And I'm Julian. And thanks very much for listening. We appreciate your feedback. Email us at everydayeternalcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everydayeternalpodcast. And follow us on Twitter at eternalmtg.